This week's episode is brought to you by Uncanny Creative. Jordan, what's Uncanny Creative? Uncanny Creative connects talent like copywriters and designers with Utah businesses who are in need of a little extra help. Let's say you're in marketing and you're working weekends on an upcoming brand refresh. The problem is you're a few designers short and you can't spare any of your time to shower, let alone find freelancers. All of our creative talent are pre-vetted by industry pros and ready to get to work. And because we handle time tracking and invoicing on our end, you can try out different creatives until you find the best fit. No commitment, no awkward breakups, no creepy LinkedIn stalkers. You can visit uncannycreative.com to learn more. Well, I'm going back to you. Welcome to Utah Famous, a podcast about the people, places, and history that make Utah so unexpectedly awesome. I'm Sarah. I'm a Utah transplant with Canadian roots. And I'm Jordan, and I'm a Beehive State native. How's it going, Sarah? It's going. How about you? Good. We're quarantine weeks a million, I don't know, six, five? I think it's six. I think this is the sixth week. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Which... I mean, we made it this far. Yeah, Good we on made us. it this far. We can just continue <laughs> going. Hopefully, we don't have to. Yeah. But I'm sad that we haven't been able to record in the same room together for a while. But yeah. um, this has been a good uh, distraction, just being able to record this and yes. research. and Oh, for sure. Or just get a little break, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely nice to have something to do. Other than the monotony of totally. every day. So, do you have any yeah. new shows or anything fun that your family has done? I actually I saw some, you went someplace kind of cool a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, yesterday we took a drive, and it's not a short drive, but it's not a super, it's not like spiral jetty <laughs> drive, but we went out to the salt oh, yeah. flats. Because what's nice about the Salt Flats is it's ginormous, and there were other people there, but there's so much space. Like, even, like, all the pictures we took, you couldn't see anybody because it's just so huge. But it was really nice to just kind of get out, not (laughs) interact with anyone, but to get out of the house and do things. Yeah. Have you, had you been out there before? Yes, it's been, I don't know, six, seven years since we've been out there. What about you? Have you been there? No, I haven't. I have been, I've wanted to go. When I went to the Spiral Jetty many, many years ago, um, it was salted like that. Like the ground was salt. It looked, and it felt like you were walking on snow, but it was warm and it wasn't super thick, but there was like, a very, I mean, it was like salt, which I was really surprised when we went this time that that wasn't there because that was only, um, I guess that would have been like 13 years ago. Um, yeah. So anyway, I thought that was crazy that it there weren't there wasn't any salt there uh, like that when we were there. So yeah. anyway, but it looked it looked just like that. I mean, like I said, probably maybe not as thick, but you could walk on it, and it right. was just like. You were walking on snow. So anyway, but I haven't been out yeah. west by like Wendover is where you were at. Yeah, because Wendover is like 20 minutes from – like there's kind of a a rest stop type thing. I think it is technically a rest stop. There's 
a bathroom and stuff like that, um, which I don't know if I if it's open or if I recommend using it right now. But um, and it's about twenty minutes from Wendover, and when we got there, we we're like, oh, this used up more gas than we thought. We'll just go to Wendover to get gas. Right. So you know, we went to Nevada, which was exciting. Nice. But like when nice. Wendover is. If it, nobody knows, Wendover is mostly casinos, so because it's right on the border of Utah, Nevada. So anyone who wants to gamble can go to Wendover. But it was like a ghost yeah. town. There was like nobody there. Um, I was going to say, is it all closed down? Yeah. Oh, closed down. Big barriers at oh, the parking I bet lot. They're hurting. Yeah. But that's okay. So that's like four hours away, right? No, it took us about so from. Like Salt Lake, it's maybe an hour 45 to get to the Salt Flats. Okay. And then another okay. 20 minutes or so to Wendover. Okay, that's way closer than yeah. I thought. That's cool. Yeah. It's definitely a doable day trip. After We just did, went for the afternoon and... Awesome. It was nice. And you said you might want to do an episode about that. Yeah, next, I think I might do my next week episode about the salt flats because there's lots of cool things about the salt flats so yeah it's so unique yeah it's, um I don't know if you saw our um or did you know Courtney from UVU when we went together or nope she was I guess she went with she graduated with me um okay. a little bit later but she uh she started bloody buddy with her sister <laughs> which is like the menstrual cup Oh, okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> nice anyway, name. so a, a Utah famous, yep, a Utah famous product. She was there that same day. Oh no way! So that, I thought, yeah, I was like, I want. I'm like, I don't think they know each other, but yeah, they, you guys know the same people. Like, yeah. So that's funny. Anyway, yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people have been going out there, but again, like in everyone, I mean, it wasn't packed. But, like, yeah. everyone was parked, like, spaced out, nice and even. And, I mean, nice. and you can't spend all day. Well, maybe you could spend all day there. And you can, like, drive out onto the salt flats also. Um, but, yeah, we spent, I don't know, max, like, 20 minutes there. But it was fun. And my kids loved it. They're five and two. And I thought they're going to be completely bored. They're going to be like, what are we doing here? But we got yeah. out of the car and they'd woken up from their car nap and they were thrilled and just running around. And it's just this otherworldly kind of thing. So they loved it. Yeah. And it was like not hot, not cold, a light breeze. It was just a really good, oh, that's perfect. good day to be there. Because the last time I was there years ago, it was hot. And if it's hot, it's really hot out on the salt. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I remember of like with the spiral jetty. It was yeah. super hot, and the the salt was hot. Yeah, which was weird because yeah. it looks like snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is a good time of year, I think, to go out there. We have time, and we just went on a Wednesday, so maybe it was less busy. But yeah, not a bad little afternoon trip. Good to know. Good to know. I saw, yeah, I those pictures were really cute, and yeah, I was like, we need to, we need to do that soon. We were pretty good the first couple of weeks of doing a hike once or twice a week. Yeah, um, we might try to go snowboarding on Sunday. Oh. I mean, it would be like 
you would be hiking up the mountain and then going or not Sunday, yeah tomorrow tomorrow's friday i don't even know what's happening it doesn't matter <laughs> i just said matter. sunday as if like that the one day that's going to be in the future we're gonna go yeah, that i don't even know yeah it doesn't anyway matter. tomorrow we might go in the afternoon uh and um and our five-year-old is learning to snowboard and she nice. loves it and uh we'll we'll take the two-year-old he will just be playing in the snow but yeah anyway uh it's been a it's been like a week since we've gotten out and done something and so anyway that will be that'll yeah. be fun but we need to add the salt flats to our list for yeah sure. it's it's a good uh utah bucket list item and it's just totally. really cool so okay sarah um i don't think i told you what who this episode is about <laughs> you did not you did not it is ask for my approval which i didn't we never do so your... it doesn't matter <laughs> Well, I usually do. I usually am like, do you think, should I do this this one or this one? And we are planning a trip to Disney World in September. Or it's planned. Yes. However, it might not happen. Fing- now, fingers crossed to, it does, but who knows? Fingers crossed it who opens knows? and everything's good. Right. And so I decided that we should all just close our eyes and pretend we're there. <laughs> Seriously. This episode is on Lee Harline. Okay. And he is a composer and he or he was a composer for a lot of different companies, but most notably the Walt Disney Company. Oh cool. And he was the writer or he was the composer of When You Wish Upon a Star. Oh no way. And that, he's from Utah. That is he's from Utah. He's from Mill Creek. So Aww. I was tell I was talking to my friend, yeah, at my neighborhood. I was talking to my friend, um, Sylvia, who is the District 1 City Council representative for Mill Creek City, and I was just telling her about my podcast. Yeah. And our our podcast. (laughs) Our. Excuse me, Sarah. Jordan. (laughs) Both of ours. (laughs) Uh, And uh, she was like, oh, have you talked about Lee Harline? And anyway, I kind of... I d- was doing research and I just kind of went down a rabbit hole of like Disney um, legends, like literal, yeah. like like named Disney legends. And so many of them are from Utah. And I was actually oh, going wow. through them and I kept being like, please don't be from Utah. Please don't be from Utah. Because I there's <laughs> too many we now have too many. We now have a really long list of Disney legends that we need to go through. And I'm going to touch on... Well, this episode is about, it is is about Lee Harline, but I do want to also um, another one will pop up here in a minute, and then there's so many more. And I I was gonna like do a little brief intro to them or whatever, but yeah, we're just gonna have to do their all of, like their own episode or at least like two to three people, sure, you know, per episode. Yeah, but Lee definitely deserves his very own his very own episode. So we are gonna go through his. His life. Cool. Lee Harline was born March 26, 1907 in Salt Lake City, Utah. He is the youngest of 13 children. Whoa. Yes. To soldier Carl Harlan and his wife, Joanna Matilda, which I love that name, <laughs> Joanna Matilda. His parents came from the village of, I'm going to butcher this, Harfs, Harfsta in Sweden. Okay. And they joined the Mormon Church in 1888 and moved to Salt Lake City in 1891. 
And that at that point, they changed their last name to Harline instead of Harlan because Harlan has like two dots above the A. And, oh, like, you know, they just Americanized yeah. it. Got it. Yeah. Um, and so Lee, so Lee attended Granite High School in Salt Lake City. And I didn't know we're in the Granite School District. I didn't know there was a Granite High School. And there was one from the early 1900s until 2009 is when it closed. Oh, it closed. Okay. And I and I just was like interested of like where it was. So it was on 33rd or, or 3305 South and 500 East. And the only reason I'm talking about it is because there's another notable um, student that went to Granite that it has ties to the Disney company oh. and he didn't, he has nothing to do with Lee, but I just want to talk about him for a second because I, again, kept going down so many <laughs> rabbit holes of Disney legends, but nice. um, Edwin Catmull, he w- attended Granite High School. He was actually born in West Virginia and then they moved here when he was young and his father was the principal at Granite High School. Oh, cool. Um, while he went there. But Edwin, the son, he uh, is an American retired computer scientist and former president of Pixar and Walt Disney Animation Whoa. Studios. Wait, he what? founded Pixar. What? He founded Pixar. Yes. I thought Steve Jobs founded Pixar. That's yeah. not how it happened. It is. Let me go through it. Okay. <laughs> so, Break it down. So he went to the, the University of Utah in 1979. He became the vice president at Industrial Light and Magic Computer Graphics oh, Division wow. at Lucasfilm. Yeah, ILM. Yeah. Okay, you know. I didn't yeah. I didn't know what that was. Um, yeah. And then in 1986, Steve Jobs bought Lucasfilm's digital division. And basically with that funding, Edwin founded Pixar with Alvy Ray Smith. Okay. So I don't know. I thought it was Steve Jobs and John Lasseter, but it was... It was literally, you look up the the founders of Pixar Animation Studios, and it's Edwin and Alvi. Wow. Um, and then in June 2007, Cat and um, longtime Pixar digital animator John Lasseter yes. <laughs> were given control of Disney Toon Studios, a division of Disney Animation housed in a separate facility in Glendale. And then as president, he was president and Lasseter was chief creative officer. Um, they supervised three separate studios for Disney. Oh, wow. Anyway, he is now retired. He probably deserves his own uh, episode, but I just had to bring that yeah, up. Yeah, throw that in. That's when I went, started looking at all the Disney <laughs> legends. And two of like, so when the beginning of, the Disney um, Animation Studios, there were, like, uh, the, the I think they were called, like, the Nine Grumpy Men or something like that. Okay. This is, like, Walt and, like, the main head honchos. Two yeah. of those men of the nine are from Utah. Oh, my gosh. And anyway, again, I kind of was like, <laughs> do I talk about everybody? What do I – and I, I reined it in. <laughs> it was tough. I yeah. reined it in. Um and we can talk about everyone kind of separately and, and we can even go if we want to go like more into Edwin. Yeah. Kind of really cool, notable. Yeah. Dig- Disney legends that came out of Granite High School. That is crazy. Okay. So back to Harline. <laughs> back to Lee. <laughs> yes. 
So Lee graduated from the University of Utah, and he studied piano and organ with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir director, J. Spencer Cornwall. And really quick, we're going to go through another rabbit hole. (laughs) Here (laughs) we go. This person does not have ties to Disney, but he is um, a a pretty amazing guy. He was the conductor of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir in the mid-20th century. He was also born in Mill Creek. I just, I got to shout out all the Mill Creek people. So that's what we're doing here. So he was the director of the choir from 1935 to 1957 and under his leadership the choir made some of their first trips outside of the united states and the most noted trip was when they um did the dedication of the mormon temple in switzerland okay back to lee (laughs) we're we're coming back okay coming back So in 1928, he moved to California and worked at radio stations in San Francisco and Los Angeles as a composer, conductor, arranger, instrumentalist, singer, and announcer. And then in 1931, he provided music for the first transcontinental radio broadcast to originate from the West Coast. Like he like put that all together and that caught the ear of Walt Disney. Nice. Lee joined the Disney company in 1932, writing tunes for more than 50 animated shorts, including Silly Symphonies, The Old Mill, Music Land, and The the Pied Piper. Oh, wow. Uh, Lee's contributions to animated shorts between 1935 and 1938 rank among some of the finest, most inventive music ever created in Hollywood. In 1937, Walt acknowledged Lee's skills by entrusting him with scoring the studio's first feature-length animated cartoon, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, along with Disney legend Frank Churchill and Larry Morey and Paul J. Smith. So Lee effectively underscored such dramatic moments as the Queen's transformation into an apple-toting crone as well as classic Disney songs, including Someday My Prince Will Come. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. So I think uh, Lee and Paul kind of did, um, they worked on Someday My Prince Will Come, but I I think they kind of did more of like the... uh, the main music to the soundtrack, not the songs, like just the the, the background. Or- orchestral kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so um, anyway, so but since he worked on that project, he received his first Oscar nomination for Best Music and Score. Oh, wow. So then for Pinocchio, Harline reteamed with Paul J. Smith again to compose the whole the score. This was in 1940. He also wrote most of the movie's songs with lyricist Ned Washington, and the film won three Academy Awards for Best Original Music Score and won both Harline and Washington the Academy Award for Best Original Song for the song When You Wish Upon a Star. Wow. Which, like, out of any Disney song that could come from (laughs) someone, that is the song. It's the most iconic Disney song. Yes, so the song went on to be featured on Disney's opening logo since 1985 and has served as the official theme song of the Walt Disney Company, which is incredible with all of Oh yeah. all of the songs that have come out of the Disney Company with the Sherman Brothers with 
you know, all the amazing um, soundtracks with you yeah. know all the shorts that they did, all the movies. Um, it's pretty cool that When You Wish Upon a Star really has become the iconic song yes. for Disney and like their official, <laughs> their official song. Did you watch the Disney sing along? Yes, was it last I did. Because Beyonce sang "When You Wish yes. Upon a Star." Oh, so. you're right. That that was the song that she sang. I we watched it a couple days ago, and I I um couldn't remember. That's awesome. Yeah, and it she did such a good job too. I, yes, like, yes. Uh, of course she did. But yeah, like I mean, just like looks like obviously. it was just on her iPhone. You know, not like yeah. in the studio. Yep. So the American Film Institute ranked "When You Wish Upon a Star" seventh in their 100 greatest songs from film history or in film history oh cool the highest ranked of only four disney animated film songs to appear on the list the others being someday my prince will come from snow white was on there that was number 19 beauty and the beast from beauty and the beast ranked number 62 and akuna matata from the lion king ranked number 99 huh um so pretty awesome yeah. uh, to be number seven. The song reached the top five in Billboard's recording buying guide, a predecessor of the retail sales chart. Um, popular versions in 1940 were by Glenn Miller, um, oh. Guy Lombardo, Horace Height, and Cliff Edwards. Um, Cliff Edwards was like was the original singer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then it's been recorded by a lot of artists since then, of course. It was sung by Jiminy Cricket, right? Yeah. And I can't remember if Cliff did the voice of – I think he did the voice of Jiminy Cricket. Um, but, yeah, he was, like, the original recorded um, vocalist on that. Nice. Okay. And then in Japan, Sweden, Finland, Norway, and Denmark, the song has become a Christmas song. Oh. Often referring to the star of Bethlehem. And in the Swedish language, um, or this, in their version, it's roughly translated to Do You See the Star in the Blue? And the Danish title um, translates to When You See a Shooting Star. And in Denmark, Sweden, Finland, and Norway, the song is playing on television every Christmas Eve in the traditional Disney one-hour Christmas cabaret from all of us to all of you is the title. And the gathering of the entire family to watch this is considered a Scandinavian tradition. Oh, that's so interesting. Which is pretty cool. And I love that Japan is like somehow linked up in that too. Yes. Um, Scandinavia (laughs) and Japan. And Japan. They just, they got on board. Why not? Yes. Uh, So the Library of Congress deemed the song culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant and preserved it into the National Recording Registry in 19, or in 2009. Um, Brian Wilson um, of the Beach Boys has said that the melody of the Beach Boys hit song Surfer Girl, um, which has the same A-A-B-A form. I'm not really sure. It sounds similar. Yeah. Is loosely based on the Dion and the Belmonts version of When You Wish Upon a Star. So oh, I want to go back and listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Over the Christmas period in 2011, the finalists of the UK version of The X Factor that year covered When You Wish Upon a Star for the year's Christmas advertising campaign for UK departments, UK department store Marks and Spencer. Oh, cool. When You Wish Upon a Star is like right alongside with Mickey Mouse in as far as like an icon of yeah. the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, for sure. And 
in the 1950s and 60s, uh, Walt Disney used the song in the opening sequences of all the editions of the Walt Disney um, anthology television series. It has also been used to accompany the Walt Disney Pictures logo, which I said earlier. Yeah. uh, Since the 1980s. And all of the ships of the Disney Cruise Line from the first use the first seven notes of the song's melody as their horn signals. Oh, cool. And then, you know, many theme parks obviously use that song for their parades and fireworks shows. And yeah. I feel like it's in every fireworks yeah. show, either at the beginning or the end. Yeah. So Lee left Disney the next year to freelance at studios, including Columbia, Paramount, and Goldwyn RKO. During his career, which spanned nearly three decades and earned eight Oscar nominations in all, Lee composed and supervised music for motion pictures, including The Pride of the Yankees, starring Gary Cooper, Johnny Come Lately, starring James Cagney, and George Powell's The Wonderful World of the Brothers Grimm, all of which earned the composer additional Oscar nods. Oh, wow. Other notable credits, seriously so many, Road to Utopia, uh, 1948, Mr. Blanding's build. Mr. Blanding's builds his dream house. 1953, The Desert Rats. 1957, The Enemy Below. 1958, Ted North Frederick. 1959, oh. Warlock. I some of these sound familiar, and some of them yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. 1969, The Travels of Jamie Mc, McFeeters. 1964, Seven Faces of Doctor Leo. L A O Lao. Dr. Lau, probably. During all of this, Harline was commissioned by the Mormon Church to write a song for the 1947 centennial of the settlement of Utah. He also wrote the musical scores for two church films, Man's Search for Happiness and In This Holy Place, which I don't think I've heard of either of those movies. But kind of cool that even though he was in the middle of Hollywood and his really, really busy career. He took time to come back to Utah and to do some songs for the Mormon church. Yeah, that is cool. Early in the 1960s, Lee expanded his craft into television, creating music for such popular series as Ben Casey starring Richard Chamberlain and Daniel Boone starring Disney oh. legend Fess Parker, which is so cool. So if you go on IMDb, Lee has credits for 212 Whoa. songs and then uh, 94 soundtracks. Oh, my gosh. Which is that's a lot. Just kind of crazy. And then he he passed away in California in Long Beach. Uh, December 10th of 1969 of throat cancer. Aww. He is buried in the Valhalla Memory Memorial Park Cemetery. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So anyway, that is the story of Lee Harline, who is wow. just kind of incredible. I um I got my information from IMDb, of course, Wikipedia, D23.com, and LDSfilm.com. Nice. Just to be like from a small town. Yeah. Like the youngest of thirteen kids, he like was yeah. able to like really make a name for himself. Yeah, that's like really cool. He's very legendary, but I would guess that most people haven't heard of him. 
Yeah, I like I said, I would not have heard of him except that my neighbor was like, oh, yeah, are, yeah. do you know Lee Harline? He's from here, and I had no idea. If you go to the D23 website, yeah. there is a picture of him and Walt Disney, and they're like, Walt Disney is really young, like really yeah. young, um, holding a like a baby penguin. They're like, <laughs> there's oh, like, and yeah. another guy is holding a penguin. There was no description of what they were doing huh. in that moment, but just really cool to see him next to um, Walt Disney, who, like yeah. I said, was really young. He, um, I believe he had like a mustache. It was like the very early days. Yeah. That's cool, though. Yeah. He seemed like a cool guy. We are big Disney fans at our house. Like right now, all my kids want to watch are Disney rides on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> so... That's how we spend a lot of our time these days. So, And I did read a book somewhat recently about Walt Disney and the history of Disneyland. So it's always fun to jump into Disney history. Yeah, totally. Um, we have also been watching. We're trying to get our five-year-old excited for like rides for when we go to Disney yes. World. Because she will be tall enough to like yeah. ride almost every ride. But she's... She's like me. She's a little like timid and yeah. <laughs> careful. So I'm hoping she will um I'm hoping she'll be excited, but we've been yeah. watching Splash Mountain and she's so excited yes. for Splash Mountain, but I'm nervous that it's gonna like scar her because she doesn't yeah. she hasn't been on a ride that intense. Yeah. Um my husband is convinced that she will be fine. Um, and I know yeah. she'll be fine. I just get worried right. that like it becomes like this thing where you're like yeah. scared of it, you know. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Do you think your five year old would do it? Well, we were we were at Disneyland. When did we go? Not too long ago. And so she was tall enough to ride all these rides that she never had before. And I was pretty proud of her. Like she went on the cars ride, which can get kind of fast, you know, and yeah, she talked about Splash Mountain and it's, I think it's better at Disney World Splash Mountain because you can sit side by side. Yeah, yeah, that's Disneyland, true. you're like straddling. by yourself. Totally. Yeah. And so she kind of talked about it and like someone in her class at school <laughs> went on it, <laughs> but she's like, no, I don't want to go on that. But it does help, yeah. I think, to watch them on YouTube, like it gets them familiar with it so that maybe they're not like too surprised at yeah yeah it's like she kind of gets to see the point of view and write it and see that there is a drop I mean but you can't tell from the video but at least it's she's semi-aware but um, yeah yeah it's kind of a it'll be we'll see we'll see if it's even open and then we'll see if she even dares to go but yeah um yeah we're big disney fans too so it's been fun too yeah the parades are fun to watch and we watch those yeah we'll see and now every time you hear when you wish upon a star you'll think of lee our fellow Utah. So it's still so wild that he is from here and yeah and that that like i said that song was chosen to be like even because like Pinocchio is a good movie but it's not like (laughs) anyone's favorite no it's terrifying (laughs) maybe it's not even a good no it is it's whatever it has its good moments I I haven't seen it a long time because I will say that I do not like Pinocchio 
Okay. Okay. So I think that's I think that's okay. I think that's fair. I think that but especially that now. song is lovely. The song is lovely. The yeah. the character Jiminy Cricket is so sweet. And I yes. oh my you know gosh, I'm yes. over them like redoing movies, but if they like redid an animated, not like a like not a like live, a computer yeah. animated or like, you know, but like an actual hand drawn animation, the one of Pinocchio and made it less scary, I would be totally down. Yeah. I just I find it creepy the entire story. So yeah, well, and even the ride in Disneyland. <laughs> oh yeah, is so it's scary, so scary, and just it's just weird. And anyways, well, thanks, Jordan. Yeah, thank that you. That was a lot of fun. That was very interesting. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Utah Famous. We have a Facebook page that you are welcome to join in and chime in, and we love to hear from you. We are on Twitter at Utah Famous Pod, and you are always welcome to email us at utahfamous at gmail.com with comments or suggestions for upcoming episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Well, I'm going back to you.